Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the 140th edition of Cinema Effect. I'm Zach, and I'm joined by PWSA's number one fanboy, Jaden. Hello. Thought you got it wrong for a second before I thought that through. Don't worry, I've got it written down. So anyway, I got it right. And mm. we've got John Cena, JC, the Keeper of Children, aka Fitzy, aka Liam. Hello. Hello. Hey, hey. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Cinema Effect, the podcast where we review and talk about a different movie every single Monday. And this week, that movie is The King of Comedy, which opened in the US on February 8th, 18th, 1983. It was directed by the GOAT, Martin Scorsese. It is a comedy drama. And the synopsis says, Rupert Pupkin is a passionate yet unsuccessful comic who craves nothing more than to be in the spotlight. And to achieve this, he stalks and kidnaps his idol to take the spotlight for himself. Would you consider that a spoiler? Because I feel like he only does the kidnapping like three quarters of the way through the movie. Mm, yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not a fan of that. Not a fan of that at all, actually, uh, if I had read that beforehand. But yeah, that's all good. The King of Comedy uh Jaden, first time viewing just like myself how did you react to this particular picture god i, I don't know I, I i i i think um i think this whole saturday night kind of experience for the show has, has kind of tainted my overall kind of ex- perception i don't know what uh for it because i mm. thought it was great and i thought it was genuinely unsettling like almost the entire time but like it already feels like it's slipping back into my mind but it feels like such a sleeper, just you know, like on like on Martin Scorsese's like filmography, like even with his small, like it feels like his smallest film that I've seen, because it, it is just a few, it's just three characters and a few sets, you know, pretty much. Um, mm. Mm. But no, I, I thought I thought it was great, but it is just kind of starting to fade already, which is probably it was, which is a shame. Would recording yesterday have made that better or worse? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That, that, that'd that be interesting. Um, I don't know. I have to oh, say. God. Yeah. Funny you say that, though, because the film had a $20 million budget in 1983, which sounds high to me. Um, I mean, surely that all just goes to Jerry. Mm, probably, actually. Yeah. And De Niro, at that point, you get a fair bit, I imagine. Um, but yeah, sure. the film bombed at the box office at the time. Um, it lost a shitload of money. Uh, so. I mean, that's kind of whack. But anyway, it's obviously uh, significant these days. Fitzy, you've seen this film before, though. This is a rewatch. Mm. What did you think of it this time? Mm, I thought it was pretty, pretty great. Um, I think it's, you know, kind of an interesting look into someone not being, like, self-aware, I guess, and it's good. It's a good review about, you know, um, like idolization, fame, and that kind of thing. Um, mm. It is like pretty funny as well. Um, I don't know I wasn't as engaged this time, but I I'm not sure why. So I'm not like, yeah, I still think it's pretty great. Sure, the film did nothing wrong, at mm. least at least not determined yet. <laughs> um, yeah, I really liked it. Uh, I'm looking forward to chatting about it because I'm not sure. Uh, how my read on certain aspects of it stacks up. I feel like I've got, I don't know, I feel like I've got different reads on things, but I don't know. But at the very least, I can say right off the bat that uh, the story was really interesting and until the performances in particular were really fantastic. Um, plus the runtime was uh, was uh, welcome for Scorsese's filmography, <laughs> I'll just say that. 
Um, so that was nice as well. So hang on. So this Jerry, what's his real name? I'm getting him. I'm getting him mixed up. So Jerry in the Lewis. film, he is. So he's Jerry Lewis in real life. Yeah. And the film, he is Jerry Langford. Langford. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Very good, dude. I've got to say. So I assumed I, I I've never heard of this man in my life. Should I have? By the way. I don't know if you should have, but like, I, think like, I, I grew up on Jerry Lewis films, kind of. So, like, oh, okay, okay. So, is he a talk show host in real life, or is he just a comedic actor? Well, I, I knew him as a comedic actor. I don't, I don't think he, he might have a talk show. I don't know about that, but like, yeah, okay. I, I just knew him from his from his movies. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, I sort of I sort of assumed he was a real person. I didn't know anything about him. Didn't know uh, if he'd been in other films or whatever. But um, I just got to say right off the bat that his performance was fantastic, and I, I sort of I f- maybe it's a stretch to call him the protagonist, but I, I at the very least was by far most sympathetic to him in the film um, compared to the other characters. Like I th- feel like the film does a really good job of putting you in his shoes multiple times, um, allowing the audience to sort of sit with him and sympathise with him through some really good scenes. I just thought I don't know, I thought he did a really great job. With his character, particularly, um, there are some standouts. But the way the film opens is a, is fantastic. I loved him coming out of the show and that in, insanity in the crowd, the chaos, uh, the freeze frame title sequence. Um, it was mm. all it was all really 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 effective actually. To, and that sort of image um, and and the the feeling it invokes is what sort of continued to stick with me throughout the film. Um, as I'm watching all these other scenes play out, it really that through line of that emotion during that, or that just I don't know that claustrophobia, that that obnoxious feeling of like, God, oh, these people, human beings, man, they sweat, their hands, you know what I mean, trying to grab it, yeah, it's freaking nasty, you know, germs and all that sort of shit. So yeah, no, that, I thought all that stuff. He was fantastic in the film. Um, he said though that he was surprised at the critics' praise for his performance because. Um, and, he, and he disregarded the praise because he was just playing himself. So he claims. So he claims. So yeah, I don't know. Jerry, as a human being, is he past? He's dead, right? Is he? Yeah, yeah. You were incredibly just in compelling as a person, I guess, which makes sense because you're talented. But yeah, anyway, I thought he was a standout in the film. Um, is that? Do, do you feel similarly, Fitzy? And I don't know. D- d- how does his performance stack up compared to De Niro's, in your opinion? Because they're quite different but they work together in this weird way as well yeah i really like um jerry in the film he is i don't know he is quite uh normal i guess uh, compared to the rest of them right uh, and he's the and he's the mega celebrity guy yeah yeah like i like um there's like a few quiet moments of like focus in on him which kind of I don't know. Yeah, give that give the film kind of like through line story that that's more about him, I guess. Um, but yeah, he's really good. He's really good. I, yeah. I don't think I've seen anything else, but he's really really great in this. For sure, for sure. Is one of those quiet moments for me. One would be um, when he's I don't know the woman's name, but when he's tied up uh, in the room in the other woman's house, and he's just sort of sitting there, like fully taped up, just. I don't know. I, I don't even know what that, that that dismissive, just like irritation on his face, and just yeah, like that's really great. But I was more thinking of like just in his apartment, like you see him just like blankly watching TV and eating and stuff. 
It just oh, gives yeah. like a more grounded feel to his character, I guess. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, someone random calls him. Or was it the woman that called him in that scene? Yeah, I think it was that. I think it was that woman. White lady. Yeah. De Niro's Masha. All right. Masha. Okay. And who is she to De Niro? Just a crazy super fan as well, isn't she? I think think, think the Disney Plus thing said that she was like the partner in it, but I'm not entirely sure. I guess she's like the crime partner. Yeah. She's not Rupert's partner. No, I don't think so. Because he likes her. No. Other other women. Uh, is her name Rita? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I guess what they're just like they're part of the Jerry fan club, and they're just always out there together at the front of your shows, and they know each other that way. I guess. Yeah. Well, I think they have like history together because they said like they stayed together, and she bought her meals and stuff because she's like really rich. But um, like yeah. I like the fact that they hate each other. Um, even though they're after like the same kind of things, it's just a funny detail that they that the film like harps on. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, to actually, and so another thing I wanted to ask was that everything I was reading, genre-wise, IMD put, put it into a comedy. I didn't really, I didn't really find this movie funny at all. Like I just thought it was a solid drama. The only, the only scene, the one that you bring up, is the one I found funny. Was I thought the interrogation of Jerry uh, between um, uh, Marsha and and Rupert and everything with the cue cards there and on the phone. That's the only scene I would actually say I thought that was pretty funny, but also tense, of course, and that's sort of the, the uh, you know, the dynamic in the scene. But outside of that, I don't know. I didn't really – I didn't find it funny, and I was just surprised to read in the trivia that, like, um, people considered, like, De Niro's performance as a great comedic performance, you know what I mean? Um, I just thought it was a great performance. I didn't really view it that way, but I don't know if, if you disagree, Jane, if you were – uh, thought it was f- more funny than I did, or anything like that, or how you viewed that aspect. No, no, no. I, I thought there was comedy in, in 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 the things he does, like like the whole like repeated kind of offer situation. Then like you know when like um how he continually goes to the same thing and has the same conversation, all that stuff, and how at the end of it when he's oh, clearly yeah. meant to be sent away, he just sits down. You know, like it's 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 kind of <laughs> worrying, but it's also you know there, there there is like a comedic kind of tone to it that I that I definitely felt. And even at like um at Jerry's house, like the way they kind of, I think like his 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 ignorance and his kind of just the way he just dismisses everything is where the comedy is. Although it is also quite sinister. Um, mm. But yeah. Okay. Okay. I see. I, I sort of found so those particular scenes. I I actually do get that. I sort of found them like Rupert was just annoying. And I was sort of, but I was, I found myself cringing in a good way yeah, at all those scenes. You know what I mean? Where I'm just like, oh my God, oh, oh, this guy, oh, please. Like, every, of course, all the scenes in the waiting room are the best example of that because that was incredibly irritating. I can't even imagine having to be one of those workers dealing with a guy like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've just got to say that Robert De Niro, is this, is this the best De Niro performance I've seen? It's got to be top three. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, to me, this was the most different Robert De Niro performance I've seen. Not that I ever doubted his ability as an actor, but this was just so wildly different that it showed a, a new range, I guess, from him that I had just hadn't seen before. His performance is a lot more playful um, in the body language, in the facial expressions. 
than anything I've definitely ever seen from him before. He's just a lot more expressive in general. Usually, you know, uh, he's, I'm, I'm by no means saying that Robert De Niro plays uh, the same character or anything like that. I think he plays a lot of different characters, but they're usually more, I don't know, stern um, or just regular, like more badass. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like good fellas mm. kind of like dudes, you know, just men. <laughs> yeah. um, and this is definitely more eccentric than that. Um, but it also has this level of just feeling totally fake as well, I found anyway, during um, especially uh, during scenes with the reader, like that whole dinner scene with her when he takes her out to dinner. And I'm just staring at this guy and I'm just like, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of bravado, but I'm just like, this guy is like full of shit, you know? I, that's sort of you can just see it. So I thought there was a lot of dimension there as well. And I was just, I was just very, very impressed with De Niro in this movie. So yeah, I don't know. How do you feel, Fitzy? Is is this is this a top three De Niro performance in your opinion? Um, I have to think about that. Actually, maybe out of like like ability, but not out of like enjoyment. I'd say. Okay. I still enjoy his other, you know, cast of serious men kind of characters better. Serious men, yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is probably, you're probably right in saying this is like the most, you know, different he's ever been from his actual personality. Yeah. Yeah. Because if Robert De Niro's in a movie, you know, I don't know what character, I don't know what the character will be like, but generally speaking, I know like the, st- the, the tone of performance I'm going to get, you know, and this <laughs> just was not that at all. So... That was, uh, yeah, that was a very, very pleasant surprise. And I know that a lot of other actors, um, like a lot of other comedic guys, like I read in the trivia, I don't know if you saw these, Jaden, but Steve Steve Carell and Jason Bateman both said this is like their favorite performance of all time and it's a huge inspiration to them and all this sort of thing. I was just like, wow, that's that's quite interesting to get that from them. Um, So, yeah, how, how did you feel about it? Other than if it was just banging, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It was banging, you know, better than Joker. Huh. Um, oh, we'll, 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 we'll get to that are later. You su- are, you su- are you surprised <laughs> we went this long without making a Joker joke? I'm um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought I thought it was really great. Um, it's not my favorite. I can say that. Like Deer Hunter is is still my favorite Scorsese performance. And like okay. when thinking, oh no, it wasn't a fucking De Niro. Um, but and then like when thinking about it, I I think I still like him as Al Capone in The Untouchables. I think a bit more as well um i think he's great in that as that um but yeah, this is definitely up there it just feels like a i don't know i i think everything you guys said is is, is spot on um with it um and it's not to say that he doesn't have range because like it's not it's not like we have, i haven't seen him in comedic performances before like fucking meet the fuckers and all that stuff right shark yeah. tail you know greg he, oh, he, he lends his voice to shark Tale, so he's brilliant um but you know like it's <laughs> Uh, it's probably like the best like kind of example of it of, of like you know not serious men stuff yeah, yeah uh, exactly i think by looking through his filmography jackie brown is another one i can think of where he's like different like brazil and mean streets that's probably the only other th- other ones i can think of where he's like yeah he's not that not the same character but um and this one is like the most featured i guess yeah right I see. Is he? Is he? So is he different in Main Streets? I think so. I think he plays like a happy-go-lucky character in Main Streets. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. But in Jackie Brown, he's like this kind of 
he's it's kind of a comedic performance because he's kind of this like stoner slacker kind of guy. So he, he he's oh. still he's still like gruff, but he's not like you know, he's not like like stern as you said in his, as his other performances. Right, and I usually also associate De Niro with being like on top of everything. Like he's yeah, the guy yeah, that in control, yeah. Exactly, and yeah, so that sounds interesting for that reason too. So is is Scorsese? Did he direct the Deer, Deer Hunter? Is that one of his films or not? No, that was um, that was Old Mate. Can't remember his name. Yeah. Oh, damn it! I don't know. Um, I, I'll just ask that because I've got here in the trivia. Martin Scorsese has said that he thought Robert De Niro's best performance under his direction was this film, and. I can't say I disagree at all, actually, to be honest. Especially since I think this this trope that we're talking about of these uh, preconceptions that we have of what a De Niro performance is probably comes from Scorsese films, you know, more than any more than any other filmmaker. So I can't really say I disagree with you, Martin, for sure. Um, one of my favourite aspects of the movie actually ended up being the imaginary conversations, the imaginary scenes that take place. There's a handful of them um, where Rupert is just making this shit up in his head that play out. And I just love the way these are cut into the film. Um, Scorsese said, I've got him in the trivia. He said that he wanted there to be no difference between fantasy and reality in the film uh, in terms of the way I presume he means the way it's presented. And he nailed that. Like that, that first time they do it when Rupert's imagining having dinner with Jerry, and it's just like the it's like doing um oh yeah it's doing shot reverse shot, but then it's just like cutting between it cuts back to just him in another room pretending it's happening, and then back to him in the. I thought all that was really really great, um and and really effective because at first you start doubting it, and then you're like, um oh no, and then you like by the as the scene goes on, you clearly understand what's happening, um and then but then that philosophy that Scorsese is going for it then continues throughout the rest of the film where therefore with that in play with that established um that ending convention you sort of throughout the rest of it which comes back into the ending for sure you sort of have to at least in some way question everything you're seeing um but in a way that feels satisfying because it's set up so well at the start I think um yeah 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 that that scene I think that scene's an example of what I find funny in the movie like the conversation between jerry and rupert where jerry's like begging rupert for like what he actually wants you know and rupert's like like rejecting it um I Ma! Really <laughs> <laughs> when his mom keeps interrupting yeah is his mom a real fake conversation he's not real because yeah. in his oh, monologue he question. says his mom's been dead for nine years and he's yeah. like when he's on tv and I was just oh. like, where does the delusion, I mean, like, you know, like, like, um, because wow. it's like, we never see her, obviously, <laughs> is like the big one, but also like in like the tape recordings, like, I don't know how, how masterful of an editor he is, but he's, he, he's, he must've gotten rid of her voice, you know, in like the tapes as well that he submits, if that's the thing. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know Unless why, there, there's always just a quality to her, to, to their conversation that made me think it's not, she's not real. Interesting. Mm. Well, what, what would that, what would that psychologically in those moments where his mum interrupts, what would that be representing for him? You know, like I, I guess I, I don't know. I could say like his self doubt or something, but I don't really feel like this guy has a lot of self doubt. I don't know if that's right. 
I guess. I mean, you, I guess you could always just say, "Yeah, he just made it up for the for the monologue," but that feels like a that. But that's a great catch. Like that feels like a detail that it requires more investigation. I don't know. But it, it, like, it, yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know where to go. I, I, I don't know where to expand that thought any further. No, but neither. It's just, but it's yeah. a great. I didn't even notice. Yeah, that's great. Um, but the mum was played by Martin Scorsese's mum, mm. the voiceover. So there you go. Yeah, even Marty was in the movie. He, he, he was. Like, yeah. Oh hell yeah! What, what a great cameo I, that was. I, um, I loved his little cackle at the joke. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You're the director. It's like all right. Um, has, has he? Is he cameoed in another film? Because I feel like that's happened before. Yeah. Oh, he was in Taxi Driver. That's right. I oh yeah, yeah. Were you thinking of something else though? Yeah, I think he, he was, he's been in a couple. He was in After Hours. But that was oh. like a really small one, and there was something else I can't remember. Was well, Taxi Driver? He's like a he's in a full scene in Taxi Driver. Like he fully acts in a scene. Yeah, I think that's like, like his, biggest, his biggest cameo. Yeah, right. right. Apparently, he's been yeah, in everything. Quite- like, he was in Raging Bull and Hugo and Gangs of New York and Main Streets, and he was in, he's been, he's been in everything, man. Gangs of New York. Wow. Apparently, Gen- he was that- in a One Direction movie. What? <laughs> Jen, does that make you want to rewatch Gangs of New York to go and spot Marty? Absolutely not. Oh man, oh man. Um, but yeah, anyway, sorry. So these imaginary sequences, um, particularly, I really like the wedding one. Um, that was no. particularly that was particularly bizarre. Um, I love how it just takes us into his uh, mindset of like, I guess I don't know. I guess this guy feels like the world has wronged him, and fantasizes about everyone recognizing him. Um, obviously, he has this desire to be successful, to be famous, whatever, but it sort of goes deeper than he wants everyone around him to, like, because he imagines he's high school uh, principal, you know, so he wants that sort of recognition. He obviously has a lot of regret or, you know, the, the past haunts him. He's not someone to uh, let go of it clearly. So I thought that was all quite telling as well. So, yeah, that was one of my favourite conventions in the film, I think. And I don't know. How you guys feel about the ending? But like, it's fake, right? Like he didn't get famous. Just throwing that out there right now. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's the yeah. It's 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 I don't know. Yeah, it's so like. I think everything that the film kind of sets up, it it makes it believable enough, you know, to, to, that that you, but you know, obviously, you're always casting doubt. It really wouldn't surprise me if it's real, but yeah, I don't know. But before I don't know, before we look at it, maybe on a more meta level, just purely within the context of the narrative, his comedy wasn't that good, though, right? It was decent, was it? I, yeah, I don't think decent. it was supposed to be good. I don't think like it wasn't te- like it wasn't horrendous, obviously, but I, I didn't feel like it was. And I'm not, but not even speaking from just like, oh, in my opinion, it wasn't funny. I don't even mean it like that. I just mean like within the within the context of the film itself, like, is it meant to be impressive? I don't really think it was. I mean, the audience was laughing, man. You know. Yeah. No, but there was a there mm. was the, the FBI yeah, guy yeah. took him in and said it wasn't funny. Yeah, yes. it's like, the FBI guy. You know, it's just right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's a valid. This has a valid interpretation. Yeah. I don't know. That is true, and like um, Rita seemed decently impressed by it when she when she was looking at the, when, well, when she was watching the TV. I think she was just shocked that like he was on the show. 
Right. But uh, even the drunk guy at the bar, he was like, you know, hey, that's the dude from TV, you know, he was, he was like, he was, you know. But is that more, is that more just looking at the other side of the film, you know, looking at our obsession with famous people, celebrity, all that sort of aspect of it? Sure. And less so, oh, this dude was funny, you know? Mm. But even the thing is, like, like even if it wasn't, like, it wasn't that bad at the time, but then, like, he, he, in the monologue, he, he talks about how, like, he improved in prison and shit like that, you know? Yeah. It's plausible. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it, it is it, plausible. It, look, it, look yeah. it's, it's bullshit. Like, I, I think it's bullshit, but, like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's plausible. You want to believe it. You want to believe it. I want to believe that it's bad. So, so you say you actually do think it's fake then? I, th- I think it has to be like there's no way you tell this story and then leave that ending as real right and especially with all like the delusions that happened previously yeah I- I'm definitely on the side that it's fake that he went on the I think he went on the show Um, I think I think everything we saw happened in terms of he did go on the show he did his thing whatever yeah. but then I think he just went to prison and yeah. no one gave a shit that's what I would say. Mm. But this whole like book deal by like these like you know vultures at, at publishing his autobiography like that, that like that's that that's so believable you know people would be swooping in you know yeah it's like a yeah no it definitely is but that's like the fantasy I think I think that's yeah. his fantasy yeah he wants everyone to want to read his goddamn autobiography even though it's probably terrible um. But just it, regardless of, I think that's it's a in, very interesting conversation, and it's great that forty years later, it's still, it's like, oh, I don't know. Um, but even just like the execution of the final scene itself, the way the camera comes in on him, um, yeah. the way the, the way it uses sound and the echoing voices, like I that think, was all very effective. I think the very last shot has like TV fuzz, yeah. You know? It's like mm. low quality, so it's supposed to like I think it's supposed to like emulate like a TV, like inside a TV, right? Like a TV camera, I guess. Yeah. So they, yeah, because they do do that for all of the TV scenes in the film through the oh, whole thing. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, I, but so I guess that's like that could be like a, a supporting argument to it being real, potentially. Because if it, yeah, it would be an interesting choice. Say if they didn't include it in that scene, that would be an interesting argument the other way. Hmm. For some reason, that makes me feel, like the TV fuzz makes you feel like it's fake. Oh, know. okay, okay. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, no, that was a very good final scene though, because I was it, it it had the I think appropriate effect of as I was watching it. Like I personally, like I was questioning when they were doing the whole uh, wrap up with the oh everyone re- uh, got the book deal and all that. Like I was sort of like oh really, but I wasn't. I wasn't fully in the mindset yet of, oh, this is bullshit until like the camera comes right in on him and it keeps going and it keeps going. And then only in that moment does it like fully register with me of like, oh, this mm. like de- this doubt seeps into me as an audience member. Um, that wasn't entirely, like I was sort of intellectually before like, oh, really? But then I fully felt it right at the end, right before it cuts. So I think that was uh, a great ending for sure. Great final note there. Um. And, and I mean, the obvious comparison to make too is, uh, I'll, we'll <laughs> get out of the way, is the goddamn ending of Joker. Um, and I've just got to say, like, I feel like watching this ending, I'm really curious what you guys think of this, but I feel like this ending and the conversation we just had about it, like, it sort of ruins Joker's ending for me because I never had an issue with Joker's ending. I thought it was kind of cool. It definitely wasn't my favorite part of the film by any means, but I sort of like, I thought it was cool. Um, 
But like, I th- this is way better than Joker's ending because I feel like it, it creates the same question, the same, you know, debate that you're meant to walk out of the theatre having of, you know, what was true and what wasn't. But Joker's ending, I th- if I'm recalling correctly, it's meant to be this like, well, first of all, it's just egregious that it like straight up copied this movie. <laughs> Like even more so than I thought. It's like it's literally the same question it's posing in the final shot. But anyway, regardless, that that's one thing. Then the other thing is like the thing in Joker is that you're meant to question if the whole movie even happened, right? If I recall correctly. So and and in this film, like it's this film never put that on me. This film isn't saying, "Hey, did you just watch? Did you just watch nothing?" No, it's just it's just asking if um, literally the the outcome of the character is as we present it or not. And I think that's way more interesting than just like, oh, but maybe the movie was bullshit. You know what I mean? I feel like it's just much more interesting narratively to leave the ambiguity on a story point that's, well, and not just any story point, the main outcome as opposed to just like, Draco now sort of, to me, feels like they were just like shrugging their shoulders of just like, eh. Well, I'll let you know if you don't want the Draco ending even as all the ambiguity. He walks away. Hold on. He walks away from. Wait. What, yeah. So they they cut to him in the asylum. Yeah. And I can't remember exactly how they do it, but like, there's there's he's talking to the psychologist, and there's a clear indication that like, hints of like, oh, was he's trying to tell the story to the psychologist or something, and he like doesn't say it or something like that. The the, the idea is that like he was in there the whole time, and the the film's narrative was something he just made up to the psychologist. Oh, okay. But um, then when he walks away, isn't there like that blood trail on his feet? So like it implies he killed the psychologist. And yes. then because he since he killed the psychologist, you're like, no, oh, well maybe he is just like psychopath and maybe all that shit is real or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I think yeah. Or or it's just like trying to um suggest that like this is jo- this is the joke. I can't believe we're talking about that that movie, but this is the joker. <laughs> And he just made up his own origin story and just like the, the origin story we witnessed is not an objective origin story of the Joker because the Joker has no origin story. You know what I mean? All right. Well, if, the, if, 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 if it was all bullshit, then how do you make a number two? That's an excellent question. That's an excellent question. Well, that's the other thing with the second one. Isn't that character that he killed in the first one coming? The, um, you know, the, the other, um, the chick from Atlanta who's his like, Wants, who wants oh, to be girlfriend with Zazie, in the movie? Zazie, Zazie Beats. She, um, I think she's in the second one. But even though, Did even though within her? the narrative, yeah. Well, that's what we're led to believe. I don't think we we don't never see it, but we're led to believe. You, so maybe maybe they're going with the maybe they're going all in on the fact that it was bullshit. I don't know. That'd be wild. <laughs> um, but anyway, sorry. My, my, but my point specifically was that I can't believe how much Joker actually copied this film's ending, like literally, and how much better this film's ending is, in my opinion, um, which only, in my opinion, elevates this film. So, I mean, it's not an issue by any means, but I was just, I know everyone, of course, compare, like uh, Taxi Driver and, and this film are meant to be, you know, in, inspired that Joker, I always knew that, of course, but I never realised it was going to be that uh, egregious, I guess. Yeah. There are some, some similarities for sure. I think I was thinking, I think I was one of this train in the car. I think like taxi driver maybe more so because of just the like the angst kind kind of comes from taxi driver and the kind of yeah like certain camera techniques um like the like the tracking shots across the street and that kind of thing. But yeah, like the plot 
is uh, comes a bit more from this, I think, and like Robert De Niro mm. being the talk show host, I think it's like a clue to that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah, it really, it really, really is true. Because obviously, I knew this. Um, you know, when I saw Joker at the time, prior to seeing uh, Taxi Driver in this film, obviously, but. It really, really is true that those two films make Joker like really like you, 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 as you just said, elements of one. Also, like the the Taxi Drivers, I feel like it's themes in terms of like you know a- outsiders of society and mental health issues, and that's sort of more taken mm-hmm. from Taxi Driver as opposed to because this film, while it's clear that Rupert's deranged, um, it does it doesn't lean into the mental health side of it. Um, it more focuses on the the why, the motivation, the celebrity, that sort of thing. Mm. I think. I will talk actually about the cinematography and the score while we're talking about um, comparisons to Taxi Driver and Joker just because, to me, I was they were the least impressive aspects of the movie to me. Um, I think the point you make, Fitzy, about uh, the way the camera's used really and the way it builds um, a certain atmosphere in Taxi Driver, it just it, it doesn't come across in this movie. And I, that's not necessarily intention and that's fine, but... To me, this film ended up looking, in terms of just the way it's shot overall, outside of the particular dream stuff we were talking about, which is all great, but just talking about the the vast majority of the time we're just spending in its scenes, like I feel like the way it's shot and the way it's scored is pretty, it's pretty tame. I feel like it doesn't add a whole lot to the experience. Um, I was getting a lot more out of the performances and the and the story and the themes as opposed to um, the tone. It was building otherwise you know whereas taxi driver was a lot more um i was getting i was sort of almost a reverse situation where like taxi driver's story kind of still confuses me but like you sort of feel the film through those other elements you know yeah well there wasn't was there even much of a score like i think most scenes were pretty silent above maybe there was some jazzy bits i guess jazzy bits yeah for sure outside of that yeah it is yeah, like this it. guy's come, so like this guy also is is coming back to compose Killers of the Flower Moon. How do you feel about that? That's interesting. Uh, Has he collaborated like in the meantime on he any? He also other- did Irishman and Color of Money. Oh well, then I like that. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Okay, but he's not like, but he's not a long, long time collaborator. I mean, long time of uh, in terms of years, but like, is that are those the only other Scorsese films he's done? He's not like. A super regular. They're you know? pretty much the only films he's done. Wow. Well, okay. Right. Interesting. But interesting. He's the lead. There's no. He's he, he's the lead singer of the band. Um, of which band? The band is what they called. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> the band. Yeah, I think they were decently popular at the, in the seventies. So I think that's where like most of his work is known mm. for. Yeah. So how, how do you feel about specifically the cinematography and the score, Jane? Because I I just feel like. While I was just sort of shitting on Joker in comparison to this film's narrative, like I must say that watching Joker wasn't more unsettling experience overall, which is obviously not, you know, intention between the two is different. But I'm just saying like Joker had a certain atmosphere that I would say trumps this film, you know? Um, sure. Yeah, I can see that. Because because of those things in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the score of, I think Joker's score kills this. Um percent. Um, cinematography-wise, I don't know. Joker probably looks nicer. 
but I think this is probably shot better because I think like one of my favorite things about the movie is that in every shot, not every shot, but quite often when there's when there's a shot in public, on the size of the frame, you realize that people are looking at Rupert. Like there's all he he always has an audience. Like hmm. like um like obvi- like the most obvious one was was in that scene where him and Masha are yelling at each other outside the studio. But like even at at the dinner when he, when he takes Rita, Rita to dinner, like there's this dude in the background just staring at him as he like takes out his like um, autograph book and it's, it's quite unsettling and like it's like the way that you know there's kind of the way it kind of tells that story of people in the background uh, through the, through the shots I, I, I like um, mm, mm. so I guess it's that that's a good point one of my um, definitely on the same wavelength for one of my favorite scenes in the film is when Jerry uh, has to walk through the neighborhood um, and he's just getting to he's, that's the time when he's just walking to work mm. um, I thought that was fantastic because first of all this gradual decline that you feel for him being in his shoes as he's going of just like <laughs> of tension and just anxiety and just being scared and, and just just being an, uh, frustrated at the situation is great. Like the way he just walks out of the apartment, first off it's the cab driver and he's fairly pleasant to the cab driver. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, great, good to see you, whatever. And then just but as he keeps going, it's the scene's not even that long. It's just like quickly degrades into this woman telling him, I hope you get cancer. Oh, yeah, that was funny. That was really funny. And then him like, then at that point just basically sprinting to work, Marsha ch- chasing him him sweating his ass off like god i thought that was, that was probably one of the best examples of us like really immersing ourselves in in his perspective and that probably built sympathy more than anything else that particular scene but the i hope you get cancer line came about because that's something someone has said to him before jerry uh jerry stewart right jerry stewart lewis lewis fuck me um <laughs> um so that's something dude that, can you imagine saying that to someone i don't know that's like so that's crazy. So, yeah, that's how that line uh, came about. And in that scene too, the only two actors in the scene were the, the cab driver was an actor the, and the lady at the phone booth who said that was an actress um, and obviously Marsha was an actress. But everyone else in terms because there's more interactions where he's like quickly like people yelling at him from across the street, all that sort of thing. All those were just real people. Um, and that's why he wanted to – that's why the character's name was Jerry – just so when people could pass him by, they could just say, hey, Jerry, and it didn't create any issues, you know? Um, so I thought that was just it, – it's this meta level of like, wow, that, that is, you know, not not, not that someone um, – not that he had those exact interactions. It's obviously a scripted scene. But like in a way, it has this authenticity of like I'm immersing myself in this guy's experience, but that is his experience because that's literally <laughs> what he has to deal with because these people aren't actors and that's what he's getting, you know? Um so that sort of adds to the film as well, which I really liked. Um, and I think by the time then that all sort of contributes, by the time we get to the scene at his house, um, when De Niro and Rita show up at his house and Jerry tells them to get lost, like by that point, in pretty much any other story, that that scene would be played as, oh, the big celebrity asshole guy is being a dick to the regular person. You know, they're being arrogant whatever. Um, but instead in this film, I, I thought it was really interesting. It's played instead as this like cathartic moment for Jerry, finally telling someone that he doesn't give a shit about them and their tapes 
or their lives um, because why would he? And and it's like super satisfying. It's like, yeah, good. I was like, dude, good for you, Jerry. You're finally telling someone that they, they should fuck off. You know what I mean? Um, and I think it's uh, at least I don't know if you guys felt the same way. It's, that's how I think it, that's how it's meant to play, of like this final like release for Jerry of like he's been building uh, uh, this tension's been building. He's had to deal with all this crap throughout the movie, and him telling this regular dude to piss off is like satisfying, you know, which is something I don't think I've seen before. Hmm. Mm. I wish you could comment more than just hmm, but you know, like <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you sounded uh, interested by it. Though, yeah. <laughs> But then, well, actually, uh, sorry, yeah, do you, sorry. Well, do do can you think of any other stories that kind of that kind of have a similar treatment of kind of obsession and fandom, other than the Joker? Um, no, not off the top of my head, and that's I think that's one of the things I really did connect to about this film. Do you think Joker has? See, uh, yeah, because, because, Joker because definitely has the, that. The Joker yeah. idolizes De Niro in the same way that he does. The, you know this happens um, yeah that was never my main like takeaway from that film though right um and and now, now having watched this film it feels almost more like that was only present in joker because this inspired it you know what mm. i mean and because of the as fitzy pointed out the obviously the de niro playing the talk show connection like i feel like that's sort of the only reason that's in joker i don't really feel like that's like the the driving force of joker by any means um but as opposed to this film, like thematically, I took away from it. Like I think it's about our our fascination with successful people in quotes, like how we measure success, money, fame, whatever, um, you know, or our unhealthy desire to be recognised and for our work to be adored by other people, um, and you know, to be famous in plain terms. Um, and and I, I feel like a lot of people, obviously, pr- probably the majority of people, look up to famous people. Um, probably a smaller percentage but still a lot of people want to be famous you know and this guy uh, rupert was obsessed you know tried to take shortcuts um and from my interpretation it got him absolutely you know from what, what i think about the ending it got him absolutely nowhere except prison and continuing to daydream and fantasize about it you know um so that's sort of to me that's sort of at the heart of the film and as you say jan i don't think I don't think I've seen anything else quite like that, or at least it's executed in this way. So I, I thought that was particularly noteworthy, especially since this film was made forty years ago, and it feels just as relevant, if not more relevant, with social oh, media and that sort of thing. More relevant yeah. nowadays, yeah. It's not like Which it's no longer just cool. about you know fucking like like I, I, I know I know you don't engage in it a, a shit ton, Leon. I'm not sure how much you how, how how in tune you are with like Twitch and YouTube and all that stuff. I know you watch it, but like just this this week alone, there's been like massive things about just like the way that people treat streamers and, and and these content creators and like the parasocial relationships that do develop and like like the mm. like <laughs> like this like this this obsession is like truly gross to and to see it just depicted on screen forty years ago is is nuts, you know, um, because it's so much worse today where you, it, it it's so much easier today to just stalk and harass and you know. Mm. Mm. that's a great point yeah and i mean again we see that in the opening scene but yeah that 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 is actually making that comparison to to shit happening this week is makes it even more poignant and disturbing for sure i don't know i don't know if you agree with that take fitzy at all if you get that from it 
Yeah. Um, no, I do feel. I was gonna say earlier. Um, about you're talking about the cinematography. I do. I do like how, like, unstylized it is. Um, because it just gives such a like, like authentic kind of like busy New York kind of vibe. Like Taxi Driver is like, like kind of gritty New York and very you know dark and just kind of gross. But this is like, like there's yeah. a really nice shot of like Times Square and stuff like that in this. It just feels very, I don't know, very 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 normal New York, very cool New York. Yeah, mm, mm, that's true. Yeah, it feels a lot less like Taxi Driver at night, night time and the neon lights. It feels a little more grimy. Mm, grimy, yeah. As opposed to, yeah. This is more pleasant for sure, no doubt. Oh, about the celebrity worship thing, I do like the fact that he is like a, a, uh, like a signature like collector kind of thing because like they have like a kind of reputation of being kind of like, you know, leechy and kind of waiting out of – places waiting for people for like hours and that kind of thing so it does give another it's just a cool detail to add to the kind of celebrity worship um mm. you know through line of the movie i guess yeah absolutely everyone one of my main thoughts for rupert rupert his name isn't pumpkin it's pupkin mm. that was funny how everyone kept saying his name wrong the receptionist um so there you go actually maybe i did find the film funny more funny than i thought but um, one of the main things that everyone tells him as he's desperately trying to get in with Jerry is that like, oh, you should go and test your material with live audiences. Is that serious? Is he never done that? I sort of get the impression that he's he's never been to a club. He's never attempted it ever. Doesn't seem like it. That's yeah, I get that like, feeling. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. That's all. <laughs> that's all I got to say. And I guess it just adds to the my idea of it, like him just so desperate to take this weird ass shortcut it's like dude i guess he has no desire to build him build a brand for himself and do it properly i don't know it's just weird i mean I yeah like that, that, that detail about alone him. yeah like yeah it, it adds to his character of just like this narcissism and kind of self-confidence that kind of just is unparalleled to anyone else you know right like he's in like he's entitlement right yeah yeah that's mm. the word mm. Mm. the other thing i mean he can get famous at any age, really, but like he's I think the fact that he's thirty four is added as a detail that's supposed to like add to his desperation, I guess. Oh, um, and he says that, right? Yeah, yeah. He says because because in the car with Joey he's like, Oh, and the other thing is I'm thirty four and you know, I haven't got my big break yet, I'm waiting for my big break, that kind of thing. Mm. So yeah, I think he's supposed to be like a desperate kind of character. Yeah. yeah. But he sucks. Rupert sucks. No doubt. <laughs> but he's like, he's a lovable, he's kind of a lovable <laughs> guy. <laughs> Is he? Mm. He's definitely annoying, but, you know. Oh, yeah. No doubt. I guess if there's anything else, I like um other cast members, just like the assistant and like, like Marsha mm. and stuff. I, I, I feel like we haven't talked about her. Yeah, not really. I didn't really get a lot from her, like a lot to say. Like I thought, she, I thought the way she played with De Niro was was cool, but like as a character, I don't know. She sort of just was another obsessive lady, you know. Mm. Obviously, an important character, but I will ask. So when De Niro and Rita go to Jerry's house, I was confused. So he concocts this dream scenario where. 
and this is one of the times where the film doesn't really explicitly show it's a dream, even though it obviously is. Um, I, I don't think he, that's a dream. When Jerry invites him to his house? Oh, no, no, that's a dream, yeah. But I think when he goes yeah, to the yeah. house, it's real. No, no, yes, I agree. So I, I was just wondering, does he think the dream scenario of being invited to the house was – he obviously thinks that was real. I think so. That's the only time I believe in the film where, like, there's a few of these dream sequences, but every other time it's like it's never shown that he's not aware it's that he's just making it up. You know what I mean? Mm. So, like, I just wonder if he's, like, delusional, like he actually believed that thing happened in his brain or um, or if he's, I don't know, trying to manifest it in some way, like, oh, I want this to happen, so I'll just turn up. But when he's there, he seems pretty convinced that Jerry did invite him. So I was just... I was just confused about that because I think that's the only time, the only example of something like that. Yeah. I'd imagine he'd have like two minds about it, you know? Like, he like he's aware somewhere, but. Well, he's yeah, clearly. Yeah, like there's parts of him that are aware that are possible, like, isn't there, I guess. Because like when sense. Rita tries to go upstairs and like, and like when she tries to touch some stuff, she's not meant to. Like he's clearly like a bit like, I don't know. He's a bit like, oh no, don't do that. We shouldn't do that, you know, kind of thing. Like he, he knows that there is a boundary, and like he knows that there is a limitation to like what he's doing there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't, yeah, doesn't stop him from going to the house. Still, yeah. Mm. I don't know. But there's an awareness oh, yeah. that that is what I'm kind of trying to like. Like he is like aware to a degree of like that he shouldn't be there. Yes, yes, because he's telling. Yeah, that's right. He's telling Rita to not go upstairs and all that sort of thing. But yeah, I don't know. He's, he's a weirdo. So what do you want? Yep. Nice. Nice. Let's get to our final verdicts for, I was about to say Taxi Driver, the king of comedy. Jaded. I want to like it more, but like, it, 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 like it's not that I don't like it more. It's just, it's just like one of those main points I mentioned at the start about how it's already fading from my mind. Because um, it is pretty strong and the performances are pretty strong. Um, but I'm going to have to land on a seven, I think. Mm. Um yeah. I get you. Fitzy? Oh, I'll keep it at an eight, I think. Yeah. I think it did, like, deserves an eight, but maybe my drama was lower, but I'll keep it at an eight. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. So I don't know if I necessarily, like, feel the pull to rewatch this. I mean, obviously not now, but, you know what I mean? I doesn't, don't know if it has that same quality. But um, I'll give it an eight, too. No, I thought it was great. And I think the thing, I actually sort of, right after I finished it, um, no, not even then. I would say sort of as I was still watching it towards the end, I was sort of in the, eh, this is a seven or an eight area. What really put me over the line was like the final seconds, mm. the question, the ambiguity of that, and sort of reflecting afterwards on the celebrity themes. Um, and that, that put me at an eight, I think. And then like Jaden bringing out those points about its relevance today is like only like, oh, yeah, that's a strong eight. That's a strong eight for sure. So- yeah, hundred percent. All right, let's get into news chat. We've got a DCU news chat because this week all this shit happened. Loyal listener, loyal fan, our number one fan, some might say. Luke broke this to me live at seven a.m. on this whenever that morning was. Was it Tuesday morning? I don't know. Wednesday. About Wednesday morning. Um, about all the new, yeah, that's right. About all the new DC news announcements, movie slate that James Gunn came out and told us all about. 
So we can go through these, see what we think. There's a few different ones that we might have some different thoughts on. Um, I've just got to say right off the bat, though, Jaden, how excited are you to no longer have to say DCEU? And you can just say DCU. Why did we? Why was it ever DCEU? Because I think they had it extended in there because they wanted to. It was their way of like saying. I think it, E was for extended. I think. Yeah, yeah. It was their yeah. way of saying like, oh, it's not. There's the comic universe and this is the extended. Uh, you know what I mean? I think it was. Uh, it's weird. Right, okay. It's weird. Yeah, fair I think right. that's. I think that was their logic. Uh, anyway, that's done. We got the DCU. We got <laughs> ch- it, they are of course copying Marvel. Um, so instead of phase phases, they're doing chapters. So they announced chapter one. And it even has a subtitle, guys. The, do you know what the subtitle for Chapter 1 is? Gods and Monsters. Whoa. Whoa. Whoa, wow. Wow. Um, so, yeah, anyway, they announced uh, the slate for Chapter 1 of the DCU. I must admit, I just will say, I don't know entirely how I feel about the strategy of them coming out and announcing these movies at this time. None of them have logos. None of them have release dates, except except the first one, which I'm about to say. I don't know. It feels sort of a bit soon. James Gunn was only hired three months ago. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm just curious as to why they felt they needed to come and do these announcements now. Um, why not just wait a little bit? I don't know. Because um, I feel like he just got on the job. But anyway, he's uh, he's doing it. So the first announcement is that Superman Legacy is a film that will release in 2025. It will introduce us to the new DCU's Superman, of course, played by someone different. We don't know who. Um, and it'll be not an origin story, but um, they, they say the movie will show Clark Kent balancing his uh, his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing. So I guess it's meant to be like an early Superman, but not an. It's like I guess it's like the Batman, like an early Superman, but not not an origin story. You know, what does this do for you, Jaden? James Gunn's writing this film. He has not decided if he will direct it. Because as the boss, he can just choose. <laughs> he can just like, eh, I don't really feel like directing this one. I'm not sure. I, like, I don't, I don't think any Superman live-action adaptation has been perfect so far. Like, the 70s Superman has its challenge because of its period, but, like, it's not great. I think adapting Superman is always hard because Superman is such a boring character. So, like, yeah, like, Superman news never really excites me, but, like, the fact that Gunn's writing it does surprise me, to be honest. Um, like it doesn't. It, you didn't really think Superman was a fit for him necessarily, because no. I sort of felt that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. Um. But maybe that's what it is. Maybe I don't know. Mm. Super, he, he is a boring character. Like I, I don't think anyone can really deny that. Like he's all powerful and he's the good guy always. Um. Mm. So mm. like, yeah. I don't know. Could be interesting. Yeah. No, I'm pretty similar. It's the only film here to have a date, which is July 11th, 2025. Doesn't Batman also have a date? But I guess it's not DCU. Right. Yeah, sorry. It's the only DCU Chapter 1 film to have a date. Yeah. Um, We'll get to that later, though. Uh, Fitzy, any thoughts? Superman Legacy. How pissed off are you that it's not Henry Cavill? Do you want to friggin' stab James Gunn like everyone else? Um... No, I'm excited for a new Superman. But I think I sound like more of a Superman fan than Jaden. So. Um, yeah, I'm excited. It does feel like it's time for a new Superman. I'm not going to lie. Like, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't have complained if they went ahead with Henry returning. But, like, just based on the reboot rate of Batman, for example, I feel like Superman needs to catch up. Like, we need to get some more Supermans out here. 
What else we got here? Oh, wait, were you, is there something Jane you wanted to share? Or? No, I just saw something funny. Because um, you, you suggested I open up a second screen instead of having two camera views. So I did that and I saw something funny. So I was like, huh. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's all good. Um, they announced Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow as a film. Um, I thought this was interesting because when they already going in the am I mixing oh I'm mixing that with Batgirl which was of course cancelled right I was thinking when they already going to do a Supergirl movie anyway but I guess not I'm confusing the two so yeah there's a Supergirl movie I assume you guys have no thoughts it's based on a comic it's based on a comic series okay alright Supergirl is more interesting than Superman because she's um she kind of like doesn't know her limits, so she kind of like she like she's like more powerful than Superman. That she doesn't hold punches, and she's kind of like a bit more destructive. So she's got that kind of wild Interesting. persona. So you know, okay, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, on paper I would have just oh, that that does sound actually kind of interesting. On paper I would have just said, I don't know, isn't Supergirl just female Superman? I'd just rather see Superman. You know what I mean? But that sounds cool. Okay, I didn't know there was really any difference, but I'm ignorant to this stuff. We have the brave and the bold, which is the DC. Oh my god, I said DCEU. The DCU's <laughs> introduction to their new Batman. Um, this movie focuses on Damian Wayne, the son of Bruce Wayne, and Talia Al Ghul. It's a father and son story based on the Grant Morrison comics, um, and we can expect to see other members of the Bat family. So, I guess the noteworthy thing there is, of course, so this is going to be a new DCU Batman, not Ben Affleck. Um, not Robert Pattinson. This is a new. They're going to reboot. You know, with this reboot, they're bringing in their new uh, Batman actor, whoever it ends up being. But I must say, I am interested and intrigued by the idea of them finally bringing some of these Bat family characters into live action because I'm aware of who these characters are, just you know, through games and just pop culture. But like, I've never, never read a comic with them, um, and it's and it really does feel like at this point, in terms of Batman on on the screen. The, the last sort of untapped area where no one's tried to explore some of those storylines um, and some of those family dynamics and stuff. So that does sound interesting. And the fact that, you know, obviously it's, Bruce is going to have a son in this film. You, you'd expect Bruce is going to be old or older, you know, um, which maybe hints at some casting. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't know. Does this do anything for you, Fitzy? New Batman? New Batman. Family, uh, bad family. Yeah. I'm not much. I'm not much of a bad, 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 uh, bad flick person. I'm oh, so you happy about that. I see. That's all good. I know. My first thought was, my dream casting for a uh, Batman of this age would be John Hamm. What? Oh, that's what I thought. John Hamm. Huh? Yeah. Too old. Too old. But he's he's got a son in this in this. Damian Wayne. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You think he? That you think he's too old to play like I, I, a, a actually, father I, Batman? How how old is John Hamm? Actually, I don't even know. I don't know either. But surely he's not too old. He's fifty-one. Oh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm glad. Does that not sound like a good idea? I don't know. He's sort of. I feel like I can see him as yeah. Bruce Wayne for sure. I feel like he'd do it too. I'm just saying. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it is also just interesting that in this universe. It's so we're going to have a young Superman and an older Batman at the same time. Just uh, oh, that's cool. Just an just an observation. Yeah, I think it's cool. I think you're overestimating how old Batman is when he has a son, man. Really? Yeah. But in terms of the, so you're saying John Hamm's too old? 
I think he's just about right. I think I think I think he's on the older side of of right. But like right, like to yeah, you know, to be clear, I'm not. I wouldn't endorse like Michael Keaton or anything. <laughs> I, it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just like an older, you know, like s- someone that's like a clear distinction to Robert Pattinson. You don't yeah. want like another someone else who could just be swapped with Pattinson. You want like oh, this is a different feeling character. You know, when they're going to be on the screen at the same time. Um, Wait, how does that work? So is, is it like we'll get there? We'll get there. <laughs> okay. Hang in there, buddy. Hang in there. <laughs> so, uh, so next DCU thing is Swamp Thing and the Authority. So Swamp Thing. These are both shows. Oh no, I'm sorry. No, I'm wrong. Swamp Thing was a show. It has been a show. It's now going to be a movie. It's going to be a horror film. I don't know. Whatever. Didn't that show get cancelled? Do people do people care about this character? What Swamp Thing? I mean, it's, yeah, but it's like it's like it's like I said back uh, fucking a few days ago. Like like Swamp Thing. DC is always trying to push Swamp Thing for some reason. I have no idea. It's so weird. I don't know. I don't know. Horror movie sounds interesting, I guess. Whatever. I don't really care right now, though. And they revealed... um, Oh, no, it is a movie. I'm sorry. There's more shows coming. Uh, The final movie is called The Authority. Um, And it's going to... But basically, the comparisons I I saw... uh, Because it's based on these characters from Wildstorm comics. I don't know what those are. But basically, everyone was saying it's basically DC's The Boys. They're like a group of characters that are sort of edgy and sort of different. Um, so I guess we're going to have sort of a Guardians of the Galaxy or Eternal situation on our hands where it's, oh, it's a film with a new group of people we don't know anything about. So good for you, James Gunn. He's, at least we know he can do that quite well. Um, there's a Creature Commandos animated series written by James Gunn. This guy needs to stop writing. Why can he write so fast, you know? Paradise Lost is a Game of Thrones type story about Themyscira. Okay, and that's a show. So we're getting a ga- we're getting a Wonder Woman show, sort of that's Game of Thrones esque. All right. Uh, feel free to stop me at any time, guys. I'm just the, the <laughs> I'm just going. Um, they revealed three more series. Oh, Lanterns is the main one. Lanterns. So they it's this Green Lantern show that's going to focus on John Stewart and Hal Jordan as it's going to be like a, a cop show apparently because they're space cops. John Stewart and Hal Jordan, they're like the two main human Green Lanterns that they usually – it's usually one or the other in comics, right? Um, yeah. There's like four or five humans that they can go to. Um, okay. But are those uh, the main two? Because yeah, I've heard the, yeah, of those they're, two. they're probably the, like, the two most famous, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So, they're both going to be sort of the leads and they, it was described as a true detective-like series with intergalactic cops. Wait, did you say true detective? That's what I said. That's what they said. They're doing a true detective-type series. A true detective-like series that follows intergalactic cops. Wow. Okay. Sounds true detective as, as, as the descriptor That's, is interesting. Is that bold? Is that bold? It's pretty bold, man. You've seen True Detective. <laughs> you know what it's like. Yeah, it definitely is bold. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, yeah, because when they described it as like a cop thing, I sort of just I thought immediately my mind went to like a buddy cop, like a comedy. Mm. But I don't think I don't think that is what it is, though. I don't think that I don't think they're going for that. Um, I think they're going for something serious. But anyway. Uh, the other shows are they announced Peacemaker season two, and they announced a Peacemaker spin-off show. Which at this point, this this shit's just hilarious now because we're getting like the Suicide Squad, the Peacemaker is a spin-off of the Suicide Squad. Peacemaker gets a spin-off. We're in like we're in like WandaVision territories now with uh, Agatha. 
God, is now this show is Waller, which is a bit all about Amanda Waller, who is Viola Davis's character in the Suicide Squad and all that stuff. Um, but I just can't wait to find out what the Waller spinoff is going to be. You know what I mean? Just keep going. Just keep going. Um, but the, yeah, so the sort of vagities there are just with the characters and the actors because obviously Peacemaker, John Cena's Peacemaker, exists in the DCEU. You know what I mean? Peacemaker Season 2, part of the DCU. John Cena's still there. How does that work? You know what I mean? With continuity-wise, that shit's kind of weird. Not going to lie. Um, so we'll see how they handle that. But I feel like a lot of that's going to be answered in the next one, which is, of course, The Flash, um, which is coming out in June, I think. June? It's coming out in the middle of this year. And... James Gunn in this video. Do you guys actually watch this video? I assume not because otherwise me reading this would be even more boring. Um, I think James Gunn described it as one of the best superhero movies ever made. Um, He apparently is all in on this movie. He loves it, apparently. Of course, take it with a grain of salt (laughs) given his position. What was it? The Flash. Oh, The Flash. Um, They've been doing a lot of reshoots. Obviously, there's a lot of drama with Ezra Miller, you know, all that sort of thing. But Gunn thinks the movie's awesome, apparently, and it's the movie that they're moving forward with as sort of the, the reset point. They're going to use it, which makes perfect sense, of course, um, given the story and stuff. But they're going to use this movie to basically reset the DC universe and sort of make it make sense continuity-wise of why some actors are going to stay around, why some aren't, all that sort of thing. So, I mean, it sounds like it could be a mess, especially given the reshoots and them trying to make it all work after the fact, you know, because this movie was originally shot with none of this in mind. So it could get, it could be a total mess or it could be really cool, you know? I don't know. It sounds like it's had a whack production. So I'm just curious to see how it ends up playing out at this point, you know? It's been, haven't we been talking about this movie for years? I feel like this was one of those movies that was brought up on the goddamn bench in 2019, you know what I mean? Oh, the Flash movie. It's been so. Uh, could be. I mean, ever since yeah. like, ever since like, yeah. Um, Justice League, I guess, sure. Yeah. 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 But yeah, we knew it was coming before that. So long time coming. Let's hope it's decent. Um, okay. And then now to answer, finally answer Fitzy's question regarding other DC things. So what they're doing, James Gunn and co, they are making the brands distinct. You've got the DCU and you've got DC Elseworlds. And DC Elseworlds are where they're going to continue just their one-off pr- cool projects that are connected to nothing and they just are what they are. So, of course, Joker, I, I still can't say the subtitle, Joker 2 is, of course, part of that. That's still all good. Um, there's some other, you know, the CW shows are part of that too. Um, Shazam is still coming out. I guess that will, I mean, it's not technically part of it yet, but it could end up, you know, by the end we'll probably end up sort of being in that vein. But of course, the main thing, of course, is the Batman part two. Confirmed, happening, Matt Reeves, Robin Pattinson, it's happening. James Gunn confirmed it to be a trilogy. The, the part two is coming out in 20, October 2025, and it's fine. It just exists in DCL's worlds um, over there in its own little thing. They'll continue to make those cool-ass films that are probably going to be way better than these films. And, yeah, that's it. I'm just happy that they're continuing to move forward with those and possibly my main concern is like, is it going to be a a label, the Elseworlds thing? Is it going to be a label that they just have, 
you know, to sunset these things that were already in motion. And then, you know, in 10 years, when it's just going to be all DCU and no one's going to, you know what I mean? Because like, Marvel doesn't do anything like that. Marvel doesn't have films that they make that are just cool one-off things Well, that aren't connected to the MCU, is, you know? Is, haven't they start, didn't they start on that? Um, With what? Oh, God. Didn't they just release something? No. What? No. Are you thinking about Werewolf by Night? That's in the MCU. Is it? Um, yeah. Wow. I was just thinking, like, you said, like, both Batman at the same time. I wonder if they would, like, you know, interact. I'll meet up. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's something they do in, like, 15 years when they do uh, the goddamn time travel story or whatever, you know. Justice League Endgame. Um, the multiverse saga from the, for the DC universe. But yeah. Um, but yeah, but no, that, that's the point I was making that Robert Pattinson and whoever this new guy, whoever they do for the older Batman, they're going to be, their movies are going to be releasing simultaneously, obviously. Um, that's it. Any final thoughts before we uh, kill this segment? <laughs> no. These will all so be discussed again anyway. Oh yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Hopefully they'll, actually have logos next time. I feel like that's, the, I don't know, in my opinion, that's the bare minimum. Have a logo. You know what I mean? And you can change the logo, but have a logo. I don't know. Marvel always has a logo when they announce something. Anyway. I mean, they have a stylized header. It's a logo. Yeah. You wouldn't call it a logo? I maybe. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, I know it's a logo. Now it's time for our highlights of the week. God damn. Who wants to go first? Jane, do you want to go first? Oh, God, have I even watched anything this week? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I, w- I watched one more episode of this anime called um, Bocce the Rock, which is about this... Um, it's, it's, it's about this, this, this girl with social anxiety starting a, joining a band to try and overcome that. Um, I'm four episodes in so far. It's pretty decent. Um, it's I don't know. It's cute. It's 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 it's, it's you know, it's anime. It's um, yeah, yeah. Story sounds interesting. Yeah, <laughs> sounds sounds nice. Sounds relatable. You have social anxiety and you play in a rock band to get over it. No, but the idea, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Um, no, no, it, it, <laughs> I it, it is. A rock um, band. No, like uh, like four episodes in, I I'm 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 pretty happy with it. Um, it it, it does make me re- regularly laugh. Um, oh yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's a nice little slice of life. Okay, that's good. Just so you know, Jane, Cinema Effect is my rock band. Oh yeah, hell yeah, it is. Hell yeah, it is. What's your instrument? He's the lead singer. You play us. You play us. Play with us. <laughs> I watched You People on Netflix, this new Jonah Hill movie, and it with Eddie Murphy in it, and uh, it's 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 pr- it's pretty wank. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I've, always, I've always wanted to say that. I've always wanted to use Jaden. That's such a Jaden word in my mind, and I've just always wanted to say it. So I just said, no. I, I don't know. Like in your opinion, Jaden, what does something have to be scored to be considered wank? Something or below? Um. Four and below is where is where I'd start using wank. Got but, it. So I wouldn't yeah. actually I wouldn't actually call it wank then. I guess right. it, it, it's whack. It's a bit whack. I don't know. Whatever. I love I love those words. But anyway, um, yeah. I don't know. It's not very funny. I'm sort of I don't know. I'm just sort of over this sort of political shit, man. I'm not gonna lie. 
just me personally. Not to say it hasn't got any relevance or anything like that. Just in my media, like, I don't know. I don't really need jokes about race and stuff. I don't know. I'm fine with it. It's also just not very funny, first of all. It, it definitely has some funny lines here and there. You know, when you've got Jonah Hill and Eddie Murphy in a scene, it's not like they can't create something that's at least somewhat funny at times. Um, but the story is just whatever. I don't know. I wouldn't recommend this. And I'm someone who's not really against, you know, generic what well, I guess people would call Netflix trash films. You know what I mean? Like I, I watched Me Time with uh, Mark Wahlberg and Kevin Hart and would I necessarily recommend it? No. But like you know what you're getting with those kind of films generally in my opinion. Like I'm a defender. Like I don't mind. You're getting a fun comedy with those two actors. It's pretty decent. I, I couldn't complain. I kind of enjoyed it. I, I thought it was solid to be honest, you know. And this film, like even going in, I think, with fair expectations, those sort of level of expectations, this film was still a bit disappointing. So I wouldn't rush to see it or to, you know, click play on it, I guess. All right. You Fitzy, know, what have I'll, you been watching? I'll actually give you back a wank on, on, on a five. Uh, I, th- I think I've described Will things. You? Yeah, I think I've described fives as wank. That's very nice of you. Thank you very much. Mm. You people is wank. Anyway, nice. there you go. Um... I, I'm not finished yet, but I've been watching Yellow Jackets um, on, on, on Paramount. Um, it's, it's pretty great. It's, um, it's a lot more like, it's a lot slower than your usual, like, you know, people trapped on an island survival type genre um, thing. Um, it, like, really delves deep into, you know, each character's, um, their past, like before the island and then like the repercussions of what happens on the island, even though you don't really see much of it yet. Like I think I'm like six episodes in and nothing's really happened on the island yet, Um, which is surprising seeing as there's like one season out at the moment, but there's the second season coming. Um, Mm. So I feel like it could be, it is like a great show. Like I'm having a great time. Like it is like just entertaining. Um, but it could, you know, really like hit um, if it's like a longer, a longer show, like three seasons or four seasons or something. Um, because it is slow, so I imagine they have a lot, to, a lot to work with. Um, but yeah, it's really great. Christina Ricci's in it. I love Christina Ricci. She's great. She makes me happy. So. Yeah. Uh, Who is she? She was Wednesday in um, Adam's Family movies. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, no, yeah, I'd recommend it. Cool. Okay. I think that's on my watch list. I do want to check that out. Now comes the segment where we hand the show over to you with our question of the show. Last week we asked you, who is your king of comedy, a.k.a. Who's your favourite comedian of all time? Luke said, my king of comedy is Gabriel Iglesias, which was a great shout. He was um, very much speaking the praises of Gabriel. And because Luke was like, I don't know who to choose. And then like went on like a five minute talk about how good Gabriel is. And I'm like, yeah, you should probably pick him. And it's also perfectly relevant because he was the uh, guy in uh, Magic Mike, the bus driver, um, which I didn't know. So, yeah, perfectly timed answer, quality answer. I've not seen any. Does he have specials on Netflix? Um, I think he does. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's really, 
some of his early stuff is really fucking funny. I got to check him out. I should. All right. And he said, the king of comedy. Oh, no, he says my king of comedy. Imagine if he was just like the, nah, mate, there's no opinions here. But no, he said, my king of comedy is Stephen Chow. Also because he literally starred in a 1999 Hong Kong film called King of Comedy. Wow. A pretty wholesome dramedy about the ups and downs of being an extra in the Hong Kong film industry. Although he is a highly pro, uh, prolific filmmaker after the 2000s, he was also the true star of Cantonese slapstick comedies in the 1990s. Guy has always made me and probably millions of other Asians laugh in the films he acted in. He's also the Kung Fu Hustle lead actor-director. Oh, of course. Hang on, how the fuck did it take me that long? Uh, in case you can't remember his name. Yes, I do now. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Andy. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So um, having seen Kung Fu Hustle, that's definitely a bad answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sounds like he's cool. But I don't know. If he doesn't have specials on Netflix, I also don't really consider him legit. You know what I mean? That's sort of my way of verifying an, a comedian these days, which is probably a bad way, but I'm casual. You know? Jaden, who is your king of comedy? For this, I, I, I went for comedians, not comedic actors. Um, it's kind of it's, mm. it's, it's, uh, that, that 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 that's what that, that was my thinking. Um, I've kind yes. of got two, I guess, because because I, th- I think they're both great. Um, first one's Russell Howard. He's pretty fa- he's pretty pretty popular in the in the in the comedy scene. Um, he's great. I went to see his live a few a few years ago when I was down here. Oh yeah. Um, so it's one of the funniest sets I've seen, despite it being like a few jokes that I, I, that he has used before. Um, in other in like just because I watched some of his work, but like. Every special I've seen is just brilliant, and he's had like a spate of shows um, I, that, that 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 are just consistently hilarious as well. Um, he's a great person and great one to watch as well. Um, my other one is James Acaster, um, who does have a Netflix special as well called Repertoire. It's kind of split into four um, kind of shows, um, but he 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 is phenomenal. Like he, I went to one of his live shows, I think it was twenty nineteen at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Um, called Cold Lasagna, hate myself. Nineteen ninety nine, I think. Um, and it's just one of the best. Like, like that is genuinely like the, the like the, the the best comedy set I've ever seen. It is so emotional, like emotionally charged for him because it's it's deeply personal, um, but just really hilarious as well. Um, and he's he, he's just the way he delivers lines and like the way he's like he, he's fantastic. Um, so yeah. Good answers. Good answers. I am definitely more of a casual guy with this sort of thing with stand-up comedians. I was trying to think. I mean, I find quite a fair few people funny, but I was trying to cover all the bases, I guess, in terms of my engagement with the person. And I, I, I've I went with Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know. I've um, obviously Seinfeld's hilarious show. One of the it's the only sitcom I can really tolerate. Um. Not that I'll ever see every episode, but like, you know, it's we put it on frequently and I always enjoy it. So, you know, he's got the comedic actor thing down, of course. But then um, I've saw I've seen him live, I've seen him do a stand up set live, and that was phenomenal. We still quote it to this day. I think it was in two thousand I think I saw it in two thousand and seventeen, and we still quote it in this house to this day. So um, yeah, no, he, he's fantastic. And of course, who can forget comedians and cars getting coffee, another great show mm. with some great guests as well. So yeah. Now, Jerry Seinfeld hits all the bases for me, definitely. Um, I also, I really like Chris Rock as well. We saw him live as well. He's great. 
Um, but yeah, I'll go with Jerry. Why not? Let's do it. I don't think I've ever. I think probably the difference is though, like Chris. I really like Chris Rock stand up. I don't know if I've ever seen Chris Rock in a movie where I thought he was hilarious. I don't know. Don't think I have. Maybe that's on me. You don't like Central Intelligence and Jumanji and all that. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> all right, um, Fitzy. What about you? Um, <laughs> my favorite comedian is um, Norm Macdonald. Her. Um, I know from like YouTube, I guess, like his his podcast kind of thing, where he has like Adam Eager or something on the show. Um, yeah, he's really funny. He's um, uh, I don't know. He's I don't know how to describe him. He's kind of um, it's like he had Jim Carrey on the show once, and he's kind of the pole opposite of Jim Carrey in a way. Um. He's very like um, he'll say he's very dry. I'll just say that he's very, he has very dry humor, and um, I don't know. He's one of the only comedians I watch on YouTube. Just like clips of um, the other one, I did think it was um, was Larry David, but he's kind of like from Cobra Enthusiasm. But um, I don't know. I think I find Larry David so funny in Cobra Enthusiasm because of. Uh, like the script, I've never seen him be funny on his own the way Norm Macdonald like just always is. Um, I was watching like Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld on um, I don't think it was, I think it, 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 they were they were like at a coffee shop. It wasn't the in the car thing, but um, like that wasn't as entertaining as like just um the show or watching Macdonald by himself. So yeah, I'll say Norm Macdonald. Um, he's Brother man, so yes, is 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 Norm Macdonald not dead? Yeah, he died twenty twenty one. Right, but you're just like okay, okay. So like the podcast is from like before then, and I'm I'm not thinking like the wrong guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you mean? Well, like I was like I was like is like because you mentioned the podcast that he was doing on, and I was like, is that a new thing? Oh right, that's no, like no, some, no, some like, other oh, Norm Macdonald is doing. No, I'm like, like, like thinking of like the wrong guy. It's like, like yeah. it's a video show, like it's like a video radio show. It's not, I guess, it's a podcast, but you watch him, you know, talk. It's a camera. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of watching a podcast <laughs> is foreign to us. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of having video, um, yeah. This was hard. I'm not qualified, dude. I'm not qualified to talk about goddamn comedians and, and critique comedy. What the hell? My bachelor in film studies is Useless, all, yeah. It's all like, yeah, yeah, exactly, in this particular conversation. Oh, God. Anyway, that was a fun question. That was a diverse question for us. Thank you, Jaden, for that one. Wait. Oh, I just said I lost connection to the server and then reconnected. Zencaster. Woo! All right. As always, we'd love you to meet your questions. Also, refuse for next week's film in the YouTube comment section. Send us a DM on, on. Oh my god, I slurred that whole thing. Send us a DM on Instagram or join the Discord server. Uh, the specific question we'll be asking you this week, however, is what is your favourite Tom Hardy performance? Banger actor, banger a man of choices. Can't believe we haven't asked this question yet. I hate to say, it but is. have we asked this question? I don't think we have. But there's also a possibility we have, and that's why we're just gonna. We're just going to keep going. Yeah. It's fine. Let us know who your favourite Tom Hardy performance is. You know what I mean. All right, that's it for this week's episode. Yeah, what's up? And also, Jane's not going to be here. You know, you know why Jane's not going to be here? 
hole. Right. Because there must be one of us for the wreckage, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Don't be expecting one of us at the wreckage, brother. Yeah, we, we, we throw Jen out of the aeroplane. <laughs> Is that the metaphor you want everyone imagining? Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice work. All right, that's it for this week's episode of Cinema Effect. Fitzy, why the hell? Why on earth are we asking the Tom Hardy question? Um, because next week we're doing a film, a feature film that features the actor Tom Hardy, um, mm. which the title of is uh, Lawless, which mm. I believe is on just Netflix. Could I think be, so. Could, oh, it's also on Stan. There you go. Stan and Netflix. Netflix and Stan. Nice. Nice. No excuses, everyone. Watch Lawless. Hear that, Luke? It's called Lawless. All right. One word. As Lawless always is. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. All right. We appreciate everyone tuning in. Appreciate Fitzy and Jane being here as always, especially this time on this random Sunday. We'll see you all next time. Have a great rest of your week and goodbye.